Welcome to a white, gray, black manga book club discussion of Volume 1 of Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind by Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, my name is Bruce. I am the proprietor of the White, Gray, Black channel, host of the White, Gray, Black weekly manga podcast, and I am joined again by my regular co-host of the Valley of the Podcast, Gautam. Greetings from the Valley of the Podcast. <laughs> Most of you are probably familiar with the movie, uh, not technically by Studio Ghibli, but basically by Studio Ghibli, um, of the same name and the same director, right? Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, but some people might not know that this is this was a manga first and a manga that continued after the movie uh, had completed and aired. The movie only covers about 16 chapters or two volumes. So what we're going to be talking about today with this little uh, read-along discussion is just the just the first volume, which if you have the uh, if you've got the big, the big book, like I think Gautam, do you also have, they also have, I have big the book big here? book, the yeah. two big books. Yeah. So if, you, if you've got the big book, this is just chapter one is what it's called, but this is, I believe chapter one is technically, uh, eight chapters compiled. So, uh, let's start out and just, just for chapter one, we'll lay a little bit of groundwork. Um, let's talk about first who, who Hayao Miyazaki is. Uh, what he had done sort of before Nausicaa, I think most people are aware of what he had done kind of starting with Nausicaa and after. Uh, his his movie work is obviously uh, incredibly well tied to Studio Ghibli, but uh, let's talk about Miyazaki and then talk a little bit about what inspired uh, Miyazaki to write Nausicaa. So, uh, first of all, Gautam, do you, are you sort of, tell me about your history with Hayao Miyazaki, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. Like, when I was getting into anime, uh, it was just a whole another medium for me, right? I didn't get into any of this uh, until I was like 13 or 14. Um, so it was kind of fascinating to know that there is a middle ground between children's animations and like adult movies. Uh, I feel like Spirited Away is very well suited for an audience of teenagers, right? Um, because it... it it has the lighthearted nature of a children's movie while also exploring darker themes. Mm. And yeah, that, that is what initially attracted me to Miyazaki because it before it always felt like you can do one or the other. Um, and here's this perfect middle ground. I feel like when I watch Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, Kiki's Delivery Service, I get what I get out of like a Pixar movie or anything like that, a heartwarming story lovable characters uh, that I can resonate with if I was a child or if I was young. Um, but you also get a lot on the state of the world or uh, themes surrounding like insecurity, adversity growing up. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like uh, it captures both elements super well. And that's what got me into Miyazaki movies. I think they're yeah, all freaking I... beautiful. I think we'll be talking about that a lot because I do think something that uh, one of the reasons Miyazaki's movies and his art in general is popular is that it it feels very Disney, but it isn't uh, it isn't sort of shiny and clean like Disney is where it's like, you know, Beauty and the Beast or, you know, even the scary parts in something like The Little Mermaid where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, a, a boat crashes on the rocks. It feels very kind of clean. Nobody like, you know, nobody dies in the shipwreck or if they do, we don't see them, whereas in Miyazaki stuff, it's sort of like you see those things. You'll even see, I think later on when we talk in chapter one, that there's some pretty like brutal and vicious stuff that happens in here. But at the same time, it kind of still has that whimsical Disney like feel. There are children that 
Bats and like they yes. were, they like were a couple of them. Dark. There's yeah, like a lot actually in this chapter one. Yeah. <laughs> so they were they were all dark too. Like yeah. because of how they were drawn. Um, it wasn't like gory or anything, but like uh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Though. We'll talk about it when we get to it. Yeah. So um, a, a little bit about the author Hayao Miyazaki. Um, Japanese, obviously, he was born uh, in 1941, so he's an older guy. But he grew up. Uh, Born, being born in 1941 means he grew up in post-war Japan. Um, I think you see some of that influence uh, in, in a lot of his art. Uh, he is an animator, most well-known as a filmmaker, and of course he is a manga artist because he created uh, what we're reading, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Um, co-founder of Studio Ghibli. He's very much the auteur, uh, director, animator. He's the, the, the brain power and the hand power and the art power behind Studio Ghibli, right? V- v- virtually everything they do comes from the mind and the will of Hayao Miyazaki. So, um, international acclaim, uh, yeah. This, just straight from the wiki, it says, you know, he's attained international acclaim as a masterful storyteller and creator of Japanese animated feature films, and he's widely regarded as one of the most accomplished filmmakers in the history of animation. And I would say that's probably true. I don't think... There's 100%. not really, there's not really many other people in animation where you can say like, oh, who's, you know, who's your top three animation directors? And it's like, well, I mean, maybe someone like me who might know a little bit more, I might say like, oh, Brad Bird or uh, someone like that. But Hayao Miyazaki is kind of like, almost everyone can name him. And if I say Miyazaki, you go, oh, yeah, I, you can name me one of his films, right? Castle in the, uh, Castle in the Sky uh princess mononoke all of that stuff right so and and just for context on how prolific he is right he he got people this is back when animation wasn't as big as it was today like not nearly uh he got uh, big name stars to do dubbing for his movies like it wasn't christian bale yeah. um, christian bale is, is Howl and hell's moving castle yeah and um, billy crystal was calcifer like that's yeah. those are crazy names he's i mean i would I would definitely credit Miyazaki with um, bringing animation in front of a lot of people who thought that animation was just for kids. And I think this ties into what you were saying about how he, um, about how he sort of has a, uh, it's like Disney, but it's more grown up. There's brutal deaths and stuff. He definitely shows that it's like things can be whimsical and fun and magical and still be real and grounded. Um, I believe he won Best Animated Picture for Spirited Away in, I want to say the year 2000, maybe 2001 is when he won the Academy Award there. Um, But yeah, but his, I mean, his history uh, comes from being an animator, uh, he worked for Toei Animation, Nippon Animation, Tokyo Movie Shin, Shinsha, Shin, yeah, Shinsha, TMS is what that's abbreviated as. Um, the latter of which, the TMS, is who he directed his his feature film debut, which he directed Lupin the Third, The Castle of Caligostro. No, Ca- Ca- Cagliostro. I'm going to say that right. That's a weird one. Uh, that was in 1979, so about three years before publishing um, Nausicaa. Uh, he directed that loop in the third movie. I've heard a lot about that loop in the third movie. Incredibly I think probably well we should we should check it out, man. Um, I loop loop is just a fun IP, so I bet mm-hmm. I bet that'll be a, uh, a fucking hoot. 
Yeah, and from what I understand, his fingerprints and animation style is all over that movie. So uh, I'm definitely curious to check it out. I actually have, I've only seen a couple of his movies. I've seen most of the big ones, but I haven't seen. I actually have not seen Nausicaa. We might uh, might do that as part of this. Um, I haven't seen Nausicaa. I haven't seen My Neighbor Totoro. Uh, any of those? I've seen what Princess Mononoke, Howl's Moving Castle. Pon- oh, and I, I, Ponyo. I should say that uh, before we get into this, is I have seen Nausicaa about a decade ago, and I don't remember anything aside from a handful of scenes. So this is ultimately very fresh for me, too. Yeah, well, and, and like we were saying, the movie only covers the part that we read today and then the the, the next episode, right? Chapter 2, part 2, the next the next uh, 8 chapters, total of 16 chapters, that's what the movie covers, and then the, the yeah. uh, manga goes on for another five parts there's seven seven parts i think it's a total of like 50 something chapters but um anyways after he directed uh lupin the third the castle of cagliostro uh the parent company of tms of tokyo movie shinsha uh publishing firm tokuma shoten um he talked to them and he agreed to create a manga series for them for their monthly magazine animage uh, initially on the condition that it would not be adapted into a film. They said, hey, you know, you're a pretty well-respected creator animator. Do you want to do a, uh, do you want to do a manga for us? And he said, sure, but don't you, don't get to make it into a movie. Um, he obviously changed his mind on that after a couple of years. I believe Nausicaa came out in 1984 or 85. Uh, so only two or three years after he started publishing the manga. But so guys, we had a little bit more of the story here too, right? It was a little bit of that's uh, it, so the the magazine didn't want to create the the film. Um, the magazine itself didn't want it; it just wanted a manga. Uh, but Miyazaki wanted the film. Um, oh, okay. Luckily, the, the popularity of the manga changed their minds because money talks. Absolutely, but, yeah. And this, yeah. and from what I understand, Oscar was a pretty resounding, successful movie when it first came out. Even so, yeah, understandably so. Cool. Uh, so that's, that's just a little bit about Hayao Miyazaki. Um, highly encourage you to go check out his movies. It's If you haven't seen his movies and you're here, I, what are you doing? Pause it. Go watch, uh, in my opinion, his best movie is Princess Mononoke. Most, a lot of people say Spirited Away. Um, I would say Spirited Away. Yeah, see, those two are kind of the definitely the top Both are two. great, though. Watch either. I cool. say start with Mononoke, though. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, uh, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but there's a lot... A lot of stuff in Mononoke and Nausicaa are the same. There's a lot of the same themes in both in both series. Um, we'll yeah. talk about that in a bit. Uh, sp- speaking sort of on on theming and Nausicaa, uh, there's a, some cool inspirations that Miyazaki has talked about in some interviews and things about what Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind is based on. Um, one of them is there is an old uh, Japanese Heian period tale. Heian period is like... 15 something or 14 something so a really old one uh called the lady who loved insects um and that's a i have not read it but i read a little description of it it's essentially like a, a weird girl and she really likes insects and everyone's like you're weird you're never gonna get married um and that actual tale i think reveals in the end that like she's actually really ugly and weird and so it's not like she's a beautiful girl as kind of i think a what was the point of it it's a little bit of a play on the classic story would be oh, she's, she's got a weird thing, but she's beautiful and gorgeous and a good person. And this one was more like, nope, lady who loved insects, she's just weird, leave her alone. 
Um, it just sounds like a bad story. <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird. But uh, as we can see even in the part one, insects are obviously going to play a huge part here. They're they're part of the na- the natural forces in Nausicaa that are... Uh, I mean, Nausicaa talks to them with some kind of mental link thing and all that jazz. Um, also based a little bit on uh, Homer's Odyssey. So the Nausicaa name is actually a Greek name. Um, who she's a character that appears in Homer's Odyssey. Her name means burner of ships, which when I looked that up after I had read this part one, I think that's pretty appropriate because she clearly, uh, there's lots of dog fighting and ship fighting. And clearly I think Nausicaa is going to, is meant to be a, I guess like a rebellion type character against I, the Tauromachia people. Uh, that's where I'm assuming I think this is going after reading part one. In my interpretation, that it's a representation of uh, ships being uh, representing war. Uh, mm-hmm. So her burning ships is not so much her being a good dogfighter, but more so her ending conflict. Kind there you of, go. You know? Yeah, that's at, at I, least that, that's what I'm thinking. What I could totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other big big thing, and this is probably maybe the most important uh, influence, is. Uh, I believe it's in the late 60s, there was an incident in Japan called the Minamata Bay Mercury Pollution uh, Incident. I don't know if it's incident necessarily, but essentially this is pretty standard 50s, 60s corpo poisoning event, right? Oh, we have, you know, we have bad stuff that we're reproducing or we're producing as a byproduct. We're just going to dump it in the water, dump it in nature. Who cares? Uh, this happened all over the world, Japan, America. Uh, Britain everywhere. We most places have slowly come around on sort of you can't just dump mercury into the water. Uh, but what happened in Minamata Bay was basically a massive amount of mercury and methyl mercury were dumped into the bay. It got into the fish and other seafood things, which Japanese eat a ton of. The locals then ate those fish, ate that seafood, um, and something like ten thousand people were affected by what they called Minamoto disease, which is essentially mercury poisoning. Oh. Um, and this again, this is kind of I don't want to say this is. Uh, normal by any means but this is pretty standard for that time period 50s 60s kind of massive boom uh the and you know so Miyazaki would have been born 1941 right so he would have been in his 20s uh when the Minamata Bay incident was happening so and I think clearly that hugely influenced him uh I we can already see in the story from what I'm reading about clearly nature and poisoning of nature is the theme of the story, if nothing else, mm-hmm. right? If there was nothing yeah. else going on, clearly this is a uh, this is a story about nature and humans and their relationship with pollution, right? Right. Uh, uh, that's one of that's one of the the biggest ones for sure. And then the last thing which you'll see, uh, which Miyazaki has mentioned, is the the art style of an artist named Mobius, who you should recognize that name. Let me actually this. Um, I'll pull up just the Google search of Mobius art, and you'll see kind of how this is the art style that sort of influenced Miyazaki to uh, the world of Nausicaa and this thing. And you'll see, I mean, like this is that yeah. this picture here could almost be taken straight out of Nausicaa. This one could too. Um, Mobius, known for being sort of very, very colorful, very both nature tech kind of interacting type stuff. Um, really interesting artist. Go look at more of that. 
uh, I can see sort of Mobius fingerprints, Mobius inspirations all over Nausicaa. So let's actually just talk about, um, talk about it. <laughs> let's talk about it emotionally, I guess. How, when you were reading part one of Nausicaa, what, what were you, what were your first feelings? What were your first, uh, the big things that stood out to you? Any, you know, things you just want to point out? Uh, yeah. So I, I guess I have themes that I wanted to talk about, but I could talk about this later. Um, after we do the, the synopsis, because it'll make more sense then. But, uh, I just thought like, first, I love the fucking aesthetic. Uh, like clearly a lot of thought went into Nausicaa's design and the design of like the outfits and gears, uh, not gears, gear and tech and all, all of that. It's like very cool. I think the coolest one for me is the glider. Uh, I love the glider's design it, where you can ride it from the top, but also ride it like from the hanging bottom. From like, the bottom, yeah. Yeah, hanging from the bottom like Link in Breath of the Wild, right? Um, it does both. And I, I haven't seen that top glider before where she just has kind of a, a, a little cushion to put her, to lay her torso on and she can shoot her gun while gliding. So I, I don't know. That was just very cool to me. Yeah. Um, did you, let me just start, let's start with, did you like part one? Did you enjoy yeah, it? Did you think it yeah, was that, good? Yeah, I, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was a really strong start. I think it established the characters really well and uh, had a lot of cool action set pieces. It was always moving, but somehow incredibly dense at the same time. So Yeah, uh, we were talking just before yeah. of how both of us were like, oh yeah, you know, eight chapters of manga, whatever, 130 pages, sure, we'll get through it quick. But we both sort of started reading it and we're like, this is like dense. This is a lot. It took us, this took more time to read than I thought, but I was not disappointed by uh, the amount that is sort of crammed into every page here. So, yeah, I, I was saying like, I, I expected this to take like 30, 40 minutes mm-hmm. and Same. it took an hour and 20 minutes and I didn't even realize an hour and 20 minutes had elapsed. Like it was that good. It kept me hooked. Uh, what yeah, did you think, Bruce? Uh, I mean, I, so I, this is, as a preface, this is my first interaction with Nausicaa, right? I have not seen the movie. Um, I think I read, I did not read this full first, I think I read the first maybe two or three chapters, uh, mm-hmm. but not the first sort of volume like like we're doing today, uh, a couple of months ago. And I liked it, but I was reading it on my phone and it was really small. I do think having this big book and having these big, these nice sort of big pages to look at actually really helped uh helped in sort of reading and digesting because, um, yeah, reading it on my small screen didn't, I did not enjoy it as much as I did reading, reading the physical copy here. Um, so this is a, this is a really nice copy. Um, I liked it a lot. I, I did not expect to sort of get a like very feminist forward story. I was expecting the kind of nature stuff. I, I was aware enough about what Nausicaa was about, but this is like, you know, girl versus, there's like a girl versus girl fight. I, Nausicaa is like, She's great. Like what? It's super good. I think, I think Miyazaki it, historically, agree. I, historically chooses female leads and does excellent with them. I, I have no complaints about, about the way they're treated. Um, I mean, he even maybe talk about this a little bit later, but he even, uh, both Nausicaa and then the bad princess, what's her, or maybe bad princess Kashana, right? They both sort of like deal with sexism in their own way and are kind of, fighting against it and living in it which is super interesting but it doesn't i don't know it doesn't uh it doesn't remove their power from the story at all but yeah i mean 
I, I really like this. I'm really, I had a hard time not just like, not just like reading on if we weren't going to record this podcast or I'm going to be, I'm really interested now just to see the movie because, um, I, 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 I think I would really like the movie maybe even more than the, than the manga version of these first two parts. Yeah. Maybe I, I, I think, uh, so far I would probably agree because the movie's just so goddamn beautiful yeah. to look at. Um, I, 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 I completely agree with the girl power point you mentioned. I think um, this is Miyazaki does an incredible job at writing Nausicaa as a character because he proves her to be incredibly competent mm-hmm. without her having to rely on like quote unquote masculine traits. You know, like right. Yep. It, it, for example, like in Hero Academia, Deku is like the strongest guy. And in order to prove your competency in a manga like that, if you're a girl, you also have to be the strongest girl, right? Um, in Nausicaa, she she just has different solutions that aside from being the strongest, right? To to solve every problem she might have. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk more on that later, but it's it's just, I think it's, great she's great you're you're absolutely right that sort of in the the character elements that i like to talk about characters her competency is one of the things that yeah makes her really cool and interesting and you're right that she's uh well the other people are oh you fight off the bugs or shoot the bugs or whatever she's like no she's like i'll flashbang them and run away we will i will talk to them using my psychic powers or whatever whatever it is that she has her power Um, is uh literally and figuratively empathy (laughs) <laughs> yeah pretty, i mean pretty much it's just yeah I, I feel bad for the bugs the little lady talk to the bugs um but yeah uh, so uh, it sounds like you both really enjoyed it really good i think this is going to be a great little series of podcasts here um let's do a little plot synopsis uh and then talk about kind of like what we saw so the series starts uh and i'm going to make a comparison here that is not a not what i'm proud of but the way that this started i reminded me of Episode seven of Star Wars, um, when Ray is in the ship collecting all the parts and stuff, and it's very sort of silent and there's no dialogue. It's just kind of her in the environment doing her thing. That's what this reminded me of. And I, I, I don't know, maybe it was influenced in that way, but yeah. So, and again, this is, so the, the start of the story, we just get Nausicaa sort of, uh, in the, what is it called? The sea of corruption, the forest of corruption, um, looking for i don't know if we are sure exactly what she's doing there but she pretty quickly stumbles across uh an uh, is it an omu i want to say the american it's an omu it's yeah. a husk of an omu that just shed its shell right i think the american version they call them the om but yeah omu is what the the translation we have says but yeah it's a huge i uh, some kind of bug that has has shed its shell and she's very excited to see this uh She's, and she's talking about how her, uh, the people at home, her, you know, her people, whatever it is, they're going to be excited that we have this. She uses, I think, some gunpowder to like burn off one of the little eye things and talks about using it for a, for an airship, which I thought was really cool. That it's really neat. You talked about the, um, sort of the world building aspect and how like dense it is. And it's amazing to me how much info we get just in like the first couple of pages you sort of mm-hmm. understand one that she's in a dangerous place 
with the huge creature because we see the thing. We see that she can't breathe it. She, I think she, she makes note of that. Um, she talks about where she's from. She talks about other people being excited for sort of like a boon of resources. She talks about the canopy being a part of an airship. So we get like all of these things and it's in such a simple scene of her just pillaging a corpse of like a big bug. Right. And it's like, you learn so much about the world and the world building in here is such a good thing just in this little intro segment. And I, I I completely agree. And I I also love that she just, there's a panel of her just putting the little thing on her head to one, it shows you the the materialist light, like she said. Um, But also, I don't know. It feels like a, a, a fun little character human moment right um but yeah uh sorry i I cut you off keep going no we're good so she she exits the uh she exits the force because she gets some esp thing from i think we're to assume is one of is one of these omu uh being attacked or uh going on the attack and it doesn't want to and she kind of gets this thing it's, it's like oh no i need to go who is this who's calling to me um she sort of exits the forest on her glider, which again, like you mentioned, is, is really cool. And I know that most of the uh, most of the scenes I've seen from Nausicaa are always like, wow, look how well this glider thing is animated. So I've seen a lot of the glider, uh, but it is very cool. She's got to be, her upper body has to be immense. <laughs> She's uh, like yeah. permanent push-up, like flying on this thing while maneuvering it or hanging from it. Um, you say that she... It doesn't talk about her masculine traits, but IRL, if she was doing that, she would be so incredibly upper body ripped. Uh, I just thought that was interesting. But yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she, she's, she does the the planks, man. Her her core strength is incredible. Yep. Uh, but she manages, I think, to like flash bomb the Omu, calms it down, and notes that like its eyes change color when it's angry. That comes up, I think, a couple of times in this chapter. Um, and yeah, and it's important to note that she. She intent she flash grenades it instead of trying to fight it and apologizes for doing so because she doesn't want to even yeah. harm the Omu in any way. She loves the bugs. Um, yeah, she, she just loves everything. So she after that she returns. Uh, Nausicaa returns home to her home was just called the Valley of the Wind, from what I understand. Uh, talks to her sort of her dad and her people. She's it's, this is the very kind of Disney part where it's like, Oh, everybody loves her. And she brought, you know, little trinkets for everybody. Uh, but she meets up with her old mentor, I believe whose name is, what was it? Puma? Uh, Yupa. 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 So she meets up with her old mentor. Uh, or no, the old mentor was the one being chased by the bug. That's how that comes to be. Right. That's right. Um, uh, she, the one that she flashed called- and saved. Yeah. Yeah, he, he got in trouble with the bugs trying to save this uh this little um raccoon fox. Right, um, yeah, which is becomes the the literal Disney mascot of the story, kind of. So her familiar, yeah. Yeah. Um but she so Yupa apparently trained her or knew her when she was younger, they're familiar. Uh Yupa's got all these trinkets, all the kids. We learned that Nausicaa is essentially the princess of the Valley of the Wind because her dad is their leader. I don't think it's actually royal in any way or religious, but it, this is again where we get some of this cool feminist forward stuff um, where clearly it's, Oh, you know, a woman, she talks about going to war and it's like, well, you know, normally the sons go to war, but she says, no, I'm going to do it. Like yeah, dad can't go. So I'm going to go, uh, you know, I'm going to take his place. Uh, no uh, one expects Nausicaa to lead and dying from the poisoning from the forest. Like, right, right. Uh, and let me, just do some scene setting uh, from the prologue 
in the prologue. Uh, I totally skipped it, that. Yeah. Oh yeah, no worries. Um, effectively, uh, there was a great war. Uh, human civilization was way more advanced uh, in the past. It was a great war that poisoned the entire Earth and destroyed all all kingdoms at the time. And this is a thousand years later, uh, and the world is uninhabitable, uh, covered in miasma that is uh, constantly spreading. Called, I think, the Sea of Corruption, is it? Mm, or the Sea, sea of, of Corruption is what it's called now, yeah. Sea of Corruption, yeah. So they, it's not a sea, it's just the landmass is corrupt, and the corruption is spreading. So all kingdoms are on the fringes of the continent and are barely scraping by, uh, effectively. Yeah, and, it's it's actually super interesting. I wasn't expecting... Um, the. It's You're sort of right in that it's very scene-setting, but the story just opens up and it's just like... It, I think we'll probably talk about this a lot, but this is not this is not being subtle with its uh, environmentalist message. It literally starts with saying humankind fucked the world up and poisoned it, and then and all their their stuff exploded and poisoned the earth, and so that's where we are now. He literally yep. that's how the story starts. Exactly, and um, yeah, uh, effectively. Um, Nausicaa's village, the Valley of the Wind, is obligated by ancient contracts, by ancient paperwork, to uh, join this empire for Torumekian Empire, which is a cool Torumek, and uh, they are obligated to do so. And they are a village of five hundred people, so they're very small. Yep. So they have to, otherwise, they get squished by the empire. Um. And sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. That's yeah. You're you're absolutely right, and that's that is actually kind of important. Uh plot important stuff that we need to know is that you know this is kind of a dystopian future of earth i i would assume or yeah. I, does it say it if it's earth or not uh i don't know if it's i, earth. I don't think i think is. i think it's not but it might be who knows um so so yeah after she comes and has this big homecoming she goes out i believe in she's gonna like practice flying uh the like the bigger gunship plane that she has um and she goes out on that plane with her her co-pilot some other old guy um and this this is kind of where the uh that was all kind of intro of here's our main character here's our setting here's a bunch of world building um and then when she goes out into this plane uh this is where the the plot starts right this is where we we get the macguffin although i'll admit that it felt i mean as much as i harp on uh, modern writers and Disney and shit, especially for for MacGuffins. This one, I actually kind of like this way. This was this one worked. Um, they come across a barge, I think is what it's called, or some mm-hmm. uh, a big ship full of a lot of people covered in these bugs above the sea of corruption. They try to knock some of them off to get its rudder freed up. They do, uh, but the barge still ends up crashing, and everyone on it dies. And this is this is what we were talking about, where. You know, in a normal Disney movie, it would have landed and everyone gets off safely or, you know, there only would have been one person. And though they were hurt, you know, we don't watch them die. But no, in this one, it's like it crashes. Everyone dies. There's one person who's barely alive and they give Nausicaa some little orb thing. They give her the MacGuffin. Right. And this starts the story. She says, um, I'm the princess of I think it's Petige, Petage. What was it called? Uh, Pegite or Pegite, I think is what it it is. Uh, she says, I'm the princess. I have this thing. Um, I think she says the the, the Toromechians like, like came to our town, killed all of us. We tried to escape, uh, but we had to fly into the 
the sea of corruption and the bugs got us is you have to take this MacGuffin, this little orb thing and give it to my brother. Um, you know, the, the prince of, uh, Pejite. Uh, so that's, that kind of starts our story is the, we, we now have learned even more about the world. We've learned, Hey, there's other, uh, there's other places out there, which we kind of knew. Um, the Tormekians immediately seem like the bad guys here, right? They wiped out this poor girl's place. They drove, they drove them into the sea of corruption. And pretty soon after this, we see, uh, that the Tormekians are, are clearly yeah. the bad guys. So after that, um, she, uh, Nausicaa goes back to the Valley of the Wind. Uh, we see a cool little, like, how they burn off the spores and stuff, which again, is just this cool, like, well-thought-out world-building stuff. Um, and following, uh, following this dead princess, following this little orb, uh, following Nausicaa, we meet, who I assume is gonna be our main antagonist, at least for this first part, first part who is, uh, this princess Kushana, um, who is a Toromechian princess, uh, who she commands, uh, like what is it? What do they call them? Like worm handlers, bug handlers, worm like, handlers. yeah, worm handlers. These like yeah. clearly like creepy, weird dudes. And everyone's like, Oh, ew, worm handlers. Like everywhere they show up, they're like, Oh God, worm handlers. Blah. This happens like four times in a couple of pages where like the, like not even the good guys like them. No one's yeah. nice. Like to the Tormekins are like, blah, bug, bug handlers. And the good guys are like, blah, bug handlers. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, they, so they follow her back to the Valley of the Wind. They, don't like they like don't clean their ship which is really bad and they land in a field um which is which comes up a little bit later uh Nazca goes out to meet them like literally like duels them she's as much as maybe she isn't uh sort of a typically masculine emboldened female lead she still is is very kind of uh I, we'll talk about the duel later headstrong this is my yeah. favorite this is my favorite scene in the first chapter um but yeah, go on about the duel. But this is such a cool scene. Yeah, but so, she, I mean, she literally, like, walks out there with her sword, plants in the ground, is like, the fuck you doing here? Get off our land. You've already, you messed up a field. What are you doing? You brought worm handlers. We hate those guys. Those guys suck. Yeah, get these um, fucking worm handlers out of here. Fucking worm handlers, man. Um, and they're like, I, I, there's a lot of, like, politics stuff about, like, we aren't breaking the, but some, some ancient agreements you are, what are you doing here? Um, and they, I, I don't know if they necessarily like goad her into the duel or she was pretty ready for it, but, um, she duels, uh, she duels one of these Tormekian guys, I think, or maybe it's, I, 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 the person dies, I think it when she's done with him. Right. Yeah. But through this kind of duel and this goading and this, this confrontation, which is like, essentially like a, a prompting for war between both states as, as we're led to assume um, uh, her uh, Yupa comes right. Her sort of old mentor comes in and stops both of them by like stopping her sword with his wrist, just being like, Nope, you stabbed me and like grabbing the other guy's ax or something um, literally throws himself in the middle of the fight. Uh, this is, we get more cool stuff about Yupa. We learn that the Tormekians know who he is. They're like, Hey, isn't that Yupa like the greatest swordsman in the land? And they're like, yes, it is. And he's like, stop this. You're, you're going to start a war. You don't want to start a war. Somebody, something's messed up, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it, essentially all of this confrontation sort of drives, uh, uh, prompts the, the princess Kushana to essentially say, okay, you're right. We're leaving. And she kind of knows she's like, that little bitch Nausicaa is going to be a problem. Um, and, and uh, the Tormekians showed up at the Valley of the Wind um, to find the the doodad. 
that Nausicaa has. They are the MacGuffin, yeah, the little yeah. orb thing, which we still don't really know what that is at the end of, of part one here. But um, but a cool little character moment for uh, Kushana that we get that I really liked at the end of this scene is she's like, oh, I see that you've got a ceramic blade, Nausicaa. That's very cool. Can I see it? Wink, wink. And Nausicaa's like, yeah, sure. And she just fucking like cuts in half and it's like, fuck you, and leaves. She literally yeah. just like takes her sword, is like, oh, that's cute, cuts it in half, gets on her ship and leaves. And as they're leaving, she's like, yep, they've got it. We're going to come back. Or like, we're going we're gonna to fuck with them now. Yeah, um, yeah. So I just, I thought that was really cool for, to show kind of like a, a cool confidence of, of Kushana and I, I, be a bad I guy. Nausicaa's rebuttal to, it's like, maybe we'll see each other again is what Kushana says. And Nausicaa's yeah. like, maybe we'll see each other on the battlefield. Meaning, uh, maybe I'll fucking yeah. kill you next time. <laughs> She's, Nausicaa is fucking rambunctious at this point in the story. Yeah. Um, I, d- I do like, uh, to sort of sum up kind of this little part, I do like that all of this happens and we're talking about like, oh yeah, it's badass. She fights. It's cool. Like pretty much all of this is set up later in the story to be like, you fucked up Nausicaa. That was all bad. And she is very sad about like losing herself to aggression. Yeah. She compares herself to the Omu who was aggressive earlier of like, I, I didn't like doing that. I felt bad. I do not want to be this sort of aggressive aggressor type person. Um, so, which is really interesting also because in most stories this would be seen as the heroic you know protector of the land driving off the bad invaders um but it's con it's contextualized in the story very negatively right that's exactly what i was going to bring up it's uh yeah it's it's just like the violence-based competency that nausicaa does have is shown as not great you know it's like not not a good thing to fly off the handle and kill someone right uh, yeah, I mean, it isn't necessarily that she's good with a sword that's bad, but it's the fact that she was eager or willing enough to sort of go out, confront the, you know, to confront the bad people, get in a fight with them that would not have ended if, if Yupa wasn't there to stop it. And she had um, no control of herself. Um, she, right, yeah. She was in the moment and heated, you know? Uh, yeah, because yeah. she... and. So after all this happens, uh, more cool world building where we learn about um, the spores are on the ship, the spores from the Sea of Corruption. They have to like burn the field that they were using to grow, uh, using to grow food for the thing. They have to burn this tree down, which Nausicaa kind of is, a lot of this stuff we see, Nausicaa is essentially the leader of this group, right? Even though her dad is the the king or the lord or whoever, um, she is everyone listens to what she says. She barks a command and people listen. Um, she's very sort of commanding, uh, and present, which I think is really cool. By um, all means, the reins have been handed down to her pretty much already in everything but name. Yeah. So, uh, they burn the fields. We get a couple of interesting scenes with, uh, sort of setting the stage for, um, Kushana and what's going on with her? She's, you know, a Tormachian princess. She thinks that her brothers are probably plotting against her. Her and her kind of right-hand man, whose name I don't remember. Like, it's not fucking mustache-twirling bad dude, kind yeah, of. Yeah, uh, the right-hand man was assigned to her by the emperor to, right, to, right. to keep tabs and to ensure that she doesn't succeed, right? Um, effectively. Yes. And they both, uh, she is very well aware of that. You know, it's just, uh, yeah, it, she does not like him very much at all. Yeah. And it's another, I mean, and this scene specifically, I think was another really cool, uh, or in, maybe not cool is the wrong word, really interesting representation of sort of sexism, sort of feminism where it's like the, the princess is again, obviously her brothers are considered better than her. She's uh, 
clearly competent, knows what she's doing, but she has this little dude watching her who's a guy from her dad. There's like all these kind of male antagonists to this female kind of power. And even though she's shown to be, um, I won't necessarily say evil, but she's shown to be the, I think she's going to be the antagonist of this first part, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense for her to, to be the antagonist. Uh, but again, she's kind of met with a lot of the same uh, sexism that Nausicaa has already met with, even though they are different people in different cultures. And it's really cool to see because this is published in 1982, right? Like this is this is kind of maybe early, early, late, actual kind of feminist thought development in higher education was happening at this time. I'm trying to remember my uh, gender studies class that I took, you know, 14 years ago in college. Uh, but I want to say it was like late seventies was kind of the time where this was getting more mainstream, but it's cool to see Hayao Miyazaki literally just girl versus girl. It's what the story is. All the boys are going to be incompetent or stupid, or, you know, they're, they're a drag on the female leads who are going to have to escape them. Um, So I really like that scene. That incompetent. They they just feel human, but Nausicaa is just, she's more competent than I would ever be even thinking rationally, like in the moment, like she, she's just, uh, Competency is like a super uh, power for her. You know, she she just knows yeah, what to do, yeah. and it doesn't feel hamfisted. Anyway, sorry, we're, we're it's really yeah. I mean, it's on the short short recap here. Uh, <laughs> well, I, the recap I think will be a lot of our discussion, but uh, but yeah. So uh, after we see uh, Kushana and all of her stuff, Nausicaa has been called to war. Right, that's kind of we talked about that at the start. So she's getting ready to leave. She gets in her. Uh, she gets in her gunship. She says her goodbyes. Uh, one thing happens before she leaves that is pretty interesting is uh, Yupa goes to find her and finds that Nausicaa has hidden away in the depths of the Valley of Wind somewhere been growing normal plants, which, uh, again, more kind of world-building contextualization here. Yupa tells us, like, this is crazy. This is insane. If people saw these plants, they would be so mad. And Nausicaa's like, I know, but look... Like the spores are something else. The spores are bad, but the plants are fine. Like if the plants didn't have these bad spores on them, we can just grow normal plants. Um, that yeah. and she. This is where she also kind of like breaks down and cries and is like, "I have to leave this. I can't. You know, I'm. I have to let all these plants die. Uh, I feel bad for losing my cool earlier. Um, I. I don't want to go to war. All this stuff with her dad and yeah, it's just a very sort of emotional moment that I liked a lot. Yeah, me too. Cool. So then she leaves on the plane, um, and we're coming up sort of to the big, I guess, uh, of the first, um, of the first volume here. We're coming up to kind of the big climax because uh, what happens here is she she leaves in her little gunner plane with her with her co pilot. Um, they're sort of linked up to a bunch of other guys. They're dragging with her. I think that this is. Uh, other guys from the Valley of the Wind, right? She's like bringing um, the Valley of the Winds, you know, like eight dudes or, you know, they don't have that many guys to offer, but she's like bringing the eight dudes. She's pulling them along with her gunship. She links up with a bunch of these other small towns and their flying ships. Um, all, all contracted with the Empire. to Right, they all have some kind of agreement to go and give their sort of best men to Torimekia to, to fight. Um, I'm seeing, I'll make a prediction here, because again, I don't I don't have any context for this. I haven't read ahead. I haven't seen the movie. Um, part of what I think Nausicaa will do is, part of this will be Nausicaa banding together all the little people to go against the big guy. That seems classic to me. Um, yeah. 
I think so. And, and the sort of the country people taking on the big city empire. I think that also seems classic. I think the country people being on the side of nature against the big empire who's not on the side of nature. This all flows perfectly well together. So this is a neat little more cool world building, uh, building sort of, oh, look, all these other little towns are very friendly. They come up um, and then they come to be led by a uh, gunship cruiser commanded by the Tormekian princess, Kashana. Um, and she tries to like fuck with them. She's like, oh, we'll uh, like, we'll just fly right over without our breathers on for the sea and we'll make all of them do their breather, you know, take their breathers off. And uh, it's this weird kind of like, uh, I don't even know, like chest beating sort of like, oh, game of chicken where they're like, oh, we're high enough, but will they, you know, will they feel safe enough? you know, to face the danger of the, of the sea of corruption without their masks, without their rebreathers. Um, and it is at this moment that there are, I think are three Tormekian cruisers here. Uh, one of the Tormekian cruisers gets fucking annihilated by this little gunship, which this is where stuff starts getting like really intense. Um, cause this, this little flying ship that comes just like smashes through one of the cruisers and you like see bodies like flying out of this cruiser. And this is, I mean, this is where shit gets like really intense. Not the Nausicaa's co-pilot is like, Oh, slow down. We need to dodge the bodies. And she's like, we can't, if we slow down, we can't tow the cruiser behind us and just fucking plows through these bodies coming out of this first cruiser. That I thought was probably the most intense part of chapter one. What did you think? Yeah. And uh, following right after that, you see bodies of children like grasping each other while falling to their deaths um, yeah. because the Tormekians brought in like cadets, which are just ch- ch- children, like kid trainees, assumedly. Like yeah. And, and Nazca calls it out. It's like, I can't believe they brought cadets. Like how stupid you have to be. Yeah. But yeah. And this is another one of those, like kind of the, the, the difference with Disney, I guess you could kind of say, of you know, in a Disney movie, Oh, some kids fly out. Like they're probably saved. Maybe all the other people die, but the kids are saved. And this one, it's like, no, they just fall to their deaths, and Nausicaa's just like, can't do anything. Like, I have to keep my people safe. Can't they, do anything about it. And, and Sorry. They, they, <laughs> they all know how much it sucks. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone points out, it's like, this really does suck, but it also just happens. Yeah. Um, so we learn uh, pretty soon after that the commander of this ship is the prince who the little bauble was promised to, right? This is, a, this is Prince Asbel, who is the... Older? No, he's like the twin brother of the dying princess who gave Nausicaa the little bauble, um, sort of at the start, at the beginning of the story here. Um, so there's a bunch of dogfighting happens. Uh, I think the uh, bunch of stuff happens with Nausicaa and her ship. They have to make a crash landing. Uh, the Prince Asbel and his ship, I think, also go down. The Tormekians are not completely inept here. They are able to sort of whip around to get some shots on him. He goes down. Uh, he only um, actually goes down because of Nausicaa. Um, she is pleading with him to stop killing people. And that's right. She does her little ESP thing to like, stop, yeah. stop. And he hears that. And while distracted, they shoot um, the princess ship. Yeah. Fucking Nausicaa. Um, <laughs> to messing everything up. But yeah, so, so Nausicaa and her ship and um, Prince Asbel and the guys that, Nausicaa was towing. They all go down into the sea of corruption, which is very bad. They, as they all note, this is very not good. Um, but Nausicaa sees uh, the prince go down. She's, of course, going to save him. This is 
pretty typical. Uh, this is another really cool kind of sequence here where she, um, she's like, Hey, you didn't ditch my glider. Did you? Cause I told you to like ditch stuff earlier to try to keep flying. Uh, and they're like, no. And they give her her little glider. She, Oh, I'd like glides to down before that. Um, so when they land in the sea of corruption, uh, they land in a lake and in that right. lake, yeah. uh, there are like four Omu that rise up and it's an Omu nest. They say, right. Omu nest. Yeah. And they're all like, we're fucked. Nausicaa's like, hold on, let me let me try talking to them. The Nomu uh, put their tendrils on Nausicaa, surround her, and they have a conversation which the audience, us, cannot hear, and they leave peacefully. Uh, then all the Omu quickly surge back up with their eyes red this time. Um, not angry at Nausicaa and the crew, but at something else. And gunfire is heard in the distance, and you see a little panel of the prince just uh, mowing down some random little buggos. Yep. Gun, uh, the gun bugs down yeah and that's that's where we get to the glider part where nausicaa yeah. is planning to glide away to over to them uh go ahead yeah good call so 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 nausicaa flies over it's finds she finds the prince while she's on the glider he's still shooting them she's like stop shooting he's like huh what and she just fucking is like stop shooting like kicks the gun out of his hand and it's like stop it and he's like what the hell did you do i need that gun um essentially <laughs> yeah. like grat Gets the prince on the glider. They go like deep, deep down into the sea of corruption, like under these plants and stuff. And they find sort of a, a clear area, right? And they they find under the sea of corruption, the trees and all this stuff, a clear area uh, made of sort of this sand, which was actually talked about earlier that we might have skipped over. But uh, Yupa has a little vial of this sand. Um, and he, I think we have a little like flashback with him, but he says like, oh, I flew, he's like, I went deep, deep into the center of the sea of corruption. And what I found was this sand. Um, and Nazca also finds this, uh, sort of down below when they going deep, deep into the sea of corruption, uh, along with the prince, um, her glider, I think it's damaged a little bit on the way from all these little bugs are chasing them. It's kind of a big chase sequence, this cool high energy climax for part one. Um, but it, it ends, it ends with a cool realization that, okay, Nausicaa now knows that, oh, there, it is, it is clean down here. The plants or the bugs or something is, nature is working to clean itself, the, is getting rid of the corruption and there is kind of a refreshed world down here, but also the refreshed world doesn't have, uh, doesn't have the plants and the life that we would need to live here. There's kind of that cool meta-realization. And also she and the prince talk about... This is also... This is something I want to call out that's just great here, is there's no, like... There's no idiot plot. There's no, like, I'm not going to tell you what's happening. I'm not going to let on who I am. I'm not going to tell you that I have this little bauble. Um, the prince is just like, I see you have the bauble. And she's like, yes, literally your sister gave this to me. She told me to give it to you. You can have it. I don't need it back from you. Um, they just like, they talk about it and the plot moves forward and it's excellent. Um, but it uh, essentially like mentioned one thing right yeah. before that, that happened. Um, so it was a climactic fight getting chased by bugs going down there. Uh, it all ends. Her glider gets knocked away. Uh, and her and the prince get cornered by an Omu, which is just a gigantic mm -hmm. bug. Right, like yeah, I about this part. It looks like a roly poly with spider eyes. Um, and it's gigantic a million times bigger than that. Uh, the tendrils grab both of them. And set them down. And the Omu uses telepathy to talk to the prince. Nausicaa is knocked out. Uh, and says, 
she asked us not to kill you. Uh, the little one asked us not to kill you. So we are not going to kill you or her. Uh, you killed so many of us, you intruder. But she told us to leave you in peace. So we'll be going. This forest doesn't need our protection anymore. But the forest in the south does. So we'll be moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all the bugs fuck off. Yeah. And that's when the, then the uh, the scene Bruce just talked about. Yeah, they wake up, they keep going. Yeah, I, I totally forgot. That's a that's a really good callback because yeah, these Omu are clearly like they respect and deal with Nausicaa a lot. She taught. I mean, this is like the fourth Omu conversation she's had, or maybe in in all of this volume one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's. I mean, it's a good callback because yeah, she her empathy or the Omu whatever ESP connection she has there. Uh, super important but yeah so we get we get these two talking to each other um and the whole uh, is there anything else because the whole volume ends with the prince tries to send nasco he says i'll stay here uh, you you know go you know take your glider it's too heavy for us both to get on there and it ends with both of them like strip she's like no 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 like take off all your armor strip down we're gonna both go up we're gonna make it as light as possible i i, um, I know how to ride the wind better than you bro get on yeah. get on my back yeah, for she's and she says like, oh yeah, in the like in the afternoon at this time the spores are released and there's a big updraft and we'll ride that again, just kind of showing her competence of like I understand this forest, you know, even all, even all its dangers, and and they like split the rebreather one each so that he's like one rebreather won't be enough and he's like we'll go fast, um, and it just sort of ends with them just kind of rising through the rising out of this clean sand into the. Um, into the sea of corruption again. And that's, that's where volume one ends. It, that was a good recap for us. There's two things <laughs> that I wanted to uh, talk about in the recap that we skipped over. Uh, yeah, just absolutely. briefly. Uh, so one thing we skipped over is that the princess, the, uh, what, what was her country's called again? Tormekia. Torumekia. Torumekia. Yeah. The Torumekian princess's advisor, the little rat like guy. Uh, yeah. He uh, goes down um, to one of the nations they conquered and finds out what the, the bobble right, does. Yeah. It is a key to activate this gigantic soldier beast thing. It's like a giant mech. Yes. A giant organic mech that is right. in so, slumber. Um, and at and, the ve- so at the very start, the very opening thing where it talks about uh, the destruction of old humanity and all the things, it shows a picture of what I'm assuming are these big mechs, like destroying everything or being destroyed or something. So, and yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, this is... It's very hard to sum this up because this is an incredibly dense... It is so dense. 130 pages. There's so much going on here. But yeah, so, you're right. The, that's yeah, very, I assume that's going to be mech. very important going forward that he found these mechs and that that little bobble, we know what it is now. It's some kind of key or it, part it w- to awakens, those mechs. Uh, awakens it. There you and go. Um, the mech, he, he, he said uh, two relevant things there. The mech, just, uh, him, the mechs, uh, plural, uh, destroyed the world in seven days and that the empire thing there. will see a lot of bloodshed, I assume he means internally, over fighting over this mech. So mm. it is just, uh, it is a weapon of mass destruction, effectively. Yeah, there, Tormekia, I mean, this is more kind of good world building. He sees that thing and says, this is a, that's a tool for war that we need to have or else more people will die to get it or something. So, yeah. And he, he states that there'll be a lot of bloodshed over it too. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's one thing. And I 
wanted to mention uh, a flashback um, when Nausicaa was passed out and uh, the Omu was talking to the prince. Uh, her flashback was she found a baby Omu and wanted to, uh, she tried to hide it as a little baby, as a little kiddo. Uh, she found it and she wanted to keep it. She thought it was cute. Um, and the adults, even Master Upa, were all silent. Uh, and in this panel, you can see their face. It's like darkened faces. And mm -hmm. uh, they took and killed the the little guy. Yeah. Um, despite Nausicaa wanting wanting to keep him alive. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I think those are the two biggest things that might come around that we uh, skipped over. Maybe, maybe yeah, they good, might come back around. But, good yeah. call it. I mean, and there's tons more we didn't talk about like I said, this is an incredibly dense, uh, lot of information. I can see how this could be half of a movie because it's like, yeah, a lot happened there. A lot of good stuff. Um, so let's just do a little, that's kind of the plot and what happened. Let's just talk a little bit. We've already talked about Nausicaa pretty deeply. Um, is there anything else about Nausicaa in this, in this opening volume that you wanted to bring up or talk uh, about any of her characteristics or anything she did that was, that was notable? Uh, yeah, there, there were just like, a, uh, so yeah, I, I, I saved some of my stuff because I didn't know when during the recap to say it because I didn't want to tangent us. So I saved my tangent stuff for the end. Um, sure, sure. uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, what we mentioned about like the theme of war and masculinity is very interesting. Um, this, this universe and our universe's, uh, main method of solving conflict is to kill the other party. And her method of, of problem solving is completely different. Uh, he, she, her power is empathy. She understands what sets these bugs off, what sets them right, and uses tools to just diffuse situations. Uh, the flashbang at the beginning um, being a good example. So instead of defaulting to kill your enemies, her way is literally just problem solving. And her superpower being empathy is one, she cares and understands how these creatures feel, but uh, her, she actually has a psychic connection to all living beings, um, not just Omu. Uh, like when she gets angry, the little, uh, her cat thing, Tito, jumps off her shoulder, uh, along with all the, the worms that were surrounding her. Like when she loses control, right? Uh, during the duel scene. Um, yeah, I mean, she's quite, it's, it's an interesting thing you point out that she kind of has this, this superpower of this kind of co empathy connection with nature connection with all living things. Cause this is, I mean, this is maybe the most Disney part of the whole, uh, the whole story because I mean, this is the, uh, was it snow white? Is it? Is it Snow White or is it Cinderella? Who's like, Oh, she holds out her arms and all the birds land on her. And it's like, that's. That's Nausicaa actually in this story, right? If she holds out her arms and all the little bugs land on her and love her and she can talk, you know, she, all the deer trust her, you know, all the bugs trust her, all this cool stuff. It's very, it's a little bit twisted, right? Because it's bugs instead of like cute little birds and deer. But uh, she's very much kind of just the, that quote unquote Disney princess with all the animals kind of flooding to her because she, because she loves them and she would never hurt them and blah, blah, blah. So and I thought that all, was a really interesting yeah, twist on it. Instead of like singing, it's like, Please don't do mass murder. Yes, please stop war. Uh, the Valley of the Wind in general cherishes all life, uh, as per their culture, it seems. They mourned that the oldest tree that they had to burn as it's corrupted mm. by a miasma. And they all felt yeah. bad about it. 
Um, I think Nausicaa generally like cried when they had to burn that tree, right? In the story, like uh, I think so. And Nausicaa, I think exactly, and I think Nausicaa above all any other character is fully attuned with the life itself. Like uh, she can, she just understands the feelings of even if not directly communicated with every living creature, uh, by minus humans, that would be a bit OP. But uh, yeah, it, I thought that was that was really cool. Um, yeah, it's uh, Nausicaa's an insanely interesting character. I'm I I love her already. I mean, she's incredibly she's well written, incredibly well characterized. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't even know. We've kind of gone over all of her facets and facets and who she is and and what she is and where we think that's leading. Um, I like her design too, especially on the cover uh, that I've got up on screen here. She's got this kind of like, again, it's this very Mobius style, like it, almost like a uniform, but kind of an organic leaf looking hat. And uh, in this, in this nice blue, she gets her haircut at one point, which is a very like uh, uh, young person going out on a new adventure type choice to make in a story, right? Like, Oh, my old, I'm leaving some kind of old life behind for my new life. I, she cuts her hair. I thought that was really interesting. Um, cool. Yeah. Anything else on Nasca the character? Um, yeah. I, uh, so there's this scene where she's test flying the gunship, uh, their, their country's only gunship. And she thinks to herself, like, I, do, I, this gunship is ugly and I, I don't, she mentions not liking it. Uh, and she says that it cuts through the wind while her beloved glider rides upon it. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of representative of uh, yes. the theme we were talking about. Where Yep, you said it. I was going to say it if you didn't, but that is yeah. quite literally Nausicaa's point of view, the story, where it's going. Yeah. yeah. Don't cut through nature. Ride on, you know, ride on the waves, ride, be a part of nature, ride in it. That's, yeah, to me, that, and, you're and absolutely, that people, is, right? Like, don't, don't, like yes. learn to cohabitate the world with people and of like cutting them down and killing them. Yeah. yeah. Good. Go with the flow, be water. There's a lot of different ideas of this sort of like, don't push back on the world around you when it pushes you go with the flow. The same thing with nature, don't nature encroaches, don't cut it back, let it be. And yeah, if, uh, you're absolutely right. I think that that's, I, again, I think we'll talk about this maybe a little bit later, but this is not, this is not hiding what it is talking about. It is wearing on its sleeve that this is about humans cohabitation with nature. Like that's what it's about. And that's just another good sort of thematic example with, with the gliders there. Uh, And I guess I have one final thought that I wanted to talk about, and that's the duel scene. So uh, the empire uh, show up at the Valley of the Wind, like we talked about, and they were just rude guests they landed on a field they didn't give a shit and they started parking orders nasca rightfully is pissed um and feels like they're just stepping all over their little country uh loses herself in rage and one of the soldiers is like you you country scum like you dare talk to us that way and they have a duel nasica in this duel shows like crazy sword skills learned from Uva, yeah. presumably and uh stabs this guy in one panel through the shanks of his armor, like jumping over his axe. And then they, they continue fighting before Upa stops it, like Bruce mentioned in the recap. She killed that dude in that one strike. I uh, forgot about that. Yeah, they like yeah. drag him off later and they're like, oh yeah, he's dead. <laughs> yeah. Like that fight would have was about to be over, he died. Yeah, yeah. and Upa stopping the fight was like, he knew that guy was dead, 
but it was mm-hmm. all uh it was all political right like it because if that guy died and everyone knew he he's just dead it's like that's the political conflict between this country and the empire and upa stopping it even though that guy was dead and saying okay both sides stand down um and the princess saying yeah uh let's let's get out of here uh it was more so not so that the valley of the wind could join them and their military without starting kind of a political conflict between the two countries right right yeah yeah, I um, totally forgot about that. They just like drag him off at the end and they're like, oh, he died. <laughs> and, yeah. Upa later was just like, yeah, that guy was dead when I stopped the fight. <laughs> like he yeah. died moments later. Um, uh, yeah, very cool. I actually really liked just in general, like the sort of politics here are very, uh, they're kind of nuanced, but also like easy to understand. The story, I think, just does a good job at telling you like, okay, Tormekia has this big army. They're kind of, they're conquerors. They're pressing against, they have these agreements with the little people with all the smaller settlements and stuff. It's just really cool that, that, and Upa clearly is like a, um, he has been to the, he knows he's worldly, uh, a worldly character, right? He knows about all these things. Um, so yeah. he comes in to stop that. Yeah. And, and the King actually has a perfect quote that I wrote down, uh, to describe what you just said. It, he said, the sparrow must live like he is a hawk. Oh wait, no, the sparrow must live like a hawk if he is to live at all. And the sparrow being a peaceful nation, the hawk being a predatory bird, uh, they have to do what they have to do in order to survive in the first place. Uh, yeah, this is this is the idea behind defensive driving. Yeah. <laughs> is did you, you have to assume that everyone on the road is out to kill you if you are to function correctly. You, as a sparrow, have to assume, have to know what it's like to think like a hawk so that the hawk doesn't get you. And and more than that, he, he was also stating that he they have to join the war and do the dirty work even though they don't want to. Otherwise right, the right. hawk will just eat them, you know? Uh, yeah, the don't, don't piss the hawk off. Is yeah. That bi- yeah, maybe this all boils down to don't, don't piss the hawk don't, off if you're Don't fuck with Termekia too much, man. Uh, cool. I had, there was, I think that's good on Nausicaa. I mean, there's going to be way more to say, I think, in the next one. She's clearly a character that we understand the most about. We could talk about her alone for some more. Um, I want to bring up something on Princess Kushana, who is the Tormekian mm-hmm. princess. Um, so... Uh, Miyazaki and there's another creator, Hideaki Anno. Anno is most well known for Evangelion uh, and a lot of those kind of very de- depression is his uh, his modus operandi, his MO. Um, uh, Hideaki Anno worked on the Nausicaa film um, and asked Miyazaki, hey, I'd love to do a manga side story around Kushana and her military exploits, kind of a prequel probably. Uh, but Miyazaki said, no, you cannot because... Uh, Miyazaki believed that Anno was going to intend to use her to quote unquote play war games. And I wrote here, yes, he would have done this. Miyazaki was right. <laughs> because everything I know about Anno is like, absolutely. It would have been suffering and depression and war and death. That is kind of, again, like I said, that's kind of his, his MO in, in creation. So yeah, he yeah. would have done that. Miyazaki was smart to say no. <laughs> I, I wonder though, right? Like, because they, they gave Anno Godzilla and that's that's like an anti-war story. Um, he did a good job at that. But I but I, I feel like Miyazaki's right. Anno, Anno probably would have played more, some fucking war games with, with I mean, this isn't very much an anti-war story, right? Uh, that's funny. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, yeah, I just, I thought it was a funny little exploit for, uh, for any of you anime or anime or manga fans out there I, like, like we are. So I, I could see that. Um, 
Well, yeah, I, I, I th- those, those are my thoughts on chapter one. Um, did you have any any kind of standout moments or uh, anything you really like? What, what was your favorite, I'd say, scene from that first chapter? I mean, the the part that I think really stood out to me was the whole kind of dogfighting scene towards the end when the Toromekian cruisers get taken down. And it's I think that just the um, the juxtaposition of how peaceful and good and how uh, how Nausicaa wants to see the world and how everything was kind of set up the world that she wants. And then to have just like, like we we're talking about, like kids pouring out of the back of these cruisers, falling to their death and Nausicaa just being like, sorry, can't help them. That sucks. I hate, I hate seeing, hate to see it. Yeah. Um, but like, but like legitimately you hate to see it. And she kind of goes forward, saves who she can save. Um, it, I, I just, I thought that scene was really interesting. Um, I think like her talking to the Omu and the bugs are interesting. I don't know where they're going with the, with the, what the Omu mean to like move South in the one scene where they're like, Oh, we aren't needed here. We're needed somewhere else. I assume the Omu are conscious. I think they mention we, we passed over this. They, they mentioned that I think they're like a hive mind, right? They say something like we're, we're many or of one mind or many one mind, something like that. I, um, I, I think they, they are a hive mind that can also independently think that they just share their thoughts. I, I yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, I, it doesn't explain it fully, but it, it seemed kind of hive mindy to me, but cause they mentioned they were all going to move together. So I assume that they're moving together is to like, uh, cause they were chasing Upa at the beginning. Like maybe they're going to go fight the Tormekians. I'm not sure. So that's, I thought that the whole ending sequence, the last, you know, 30 or 40 pages was just like, really cool like i again i'm like super excited to see this on screen and see this animated because uh it, it was just like high action high octane um cool flying stuff uh interesting kind of decisions nasica not you know not being a disney princess and saving falling children just saying that sucks uh i, I just really like that part i thought it was really cool that and then i think the very beginning i'm a sucker for a really good start a really good hook um and I really liked the, uh, like we were talking about the sort of, the kind of first two pages, which are like, oh, all these years ago, humans fucked up. We destroyed the world, p- pollution everywhere. Now there's a sea of corruption. Um, and that, and then introducing Nausicaa, introducing the world, um, just so skillfully done in those first couple of pages to give us so much information about the characters, so much information about the world, to make it exciting and high octane too, right off the bat, to get kind of the story kind of starts, says, here's your main character, here's your world, and then immediately says, in an action set piece, right? And she's, it's Upa getting chased by the Omu and Nausicaa saving him. Um, that's, the pacing of this is really good. It's insane. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this is, I was not expecting this to be such a, like, masterful storytelling. I mean, like, I'll bring it up now, I guess. Really, the only issue I have with this whole volume one is that some of the art is a little is a little cluttered, um, a little hard to read some details. Maybe it's overly detailed or something. It's just, might just be sign of the times. Um, some of the pages are really full. It's really dense. Like we mentioned, I think that's like my only issue with it is like, yeah, it's a little hard to flow. Kind of the action doesn't always flow super well. Um, I can kind of tell what's going on, but it isn't, it isn't the kind of, uh, flowy action that I like, like that I made a video, whole video about. Um, 
but other than that, like, yeah, the storytelling here is excellent. The characterization stuff is super good. I like just about everything about this. The world building is like second to none from what I've seen in a first volume, just about like it's, I, we spent so much time talking about the world and what's going on. And it's like, yeah, we've read a hundred, 120 pages. And it's like, I could tell you so much about this world. It's so interesting. Insanely strong start. I could have, yeah, I could have told you like all, like my, my first, uh, note on like themes of masculinity and war where after i read 20 pages i was like okay yeah i i can see this the, the story did that yeah. good job of telling it um yeah well and, and then again like i'll reiterate it again this is not is not hiding those facts from you it wears them very publicly so yeah if, if you don't this is like uh this is like what high school teachers should use to teach like theme or something like that right like because it's so obvious in my opinion like it's just so obvious the theme that it's going for and that's okay i don't think that's a bad thing yeah um, not i think a lot of times when people try to hide or make things not obvious people miss the point um and you're not i don't think you can read not as much of not even just this first volume of nasaga i don't think you can read it and miss the point of humans bad nature good nasaga you know connection with nature sympathy non anti-war all those kinds of things mm-hmm. are very very public and very uh very obvious um i have one last uh question because we, we've had kind of a productive discussion so far there's one part that i didn't actually get i didn't like understand really um well why a character did this thing it's uh when they were looking at the mecha dude uh the giant titan guy um the 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 right hand man of the princess uh, goes in there with a worm handler and he pushes the worm handler off a cliff while they're looking at the Titan. And then he looks down the cliff and he's like, huh, he's dead. All right. Makes sense that there are a bunch of accidents here. And I'm like, why did you do that? <laughs> why did that you, so why did he kill that? one? I fuck the worm handlers, right? They're obviously, yeah, I, like, they're obviously bad. Yeah. Um, we hate them too, by the way. Fuck the worm yeah, handlers. It does. Good. Glad he died. Yeah. Um, that, that reads to me like, oh, if anyone else knows about this or if a rumor about this gets out, that's bad for me and maybe bad for the princess, whoever he's serving oh. the emperor. He wants that information to not leave that room except for he wants to know where it is. He's, that's a selfish, you can't know about this. Oh, and that was the captain of the worm handlers. So only the captain knew, presumably, right? So yeah, like only, yeah, only the two of them were down there. And I think is very much, because like, like you mentioned, he said, you know, wars are going to be fought over this. People are going to die. So I think he's I, very much keeping that information close to his chest, either as a, either to come back and claim power on his own or to give it to the emperor or give it to the princess. I don't know. I don't know what his angle is on that, but I read that as a, oh, this is, this is very big news and you can't, you know, if you talk to, I can't even risk you talking to somebody else and you're a, you're a shitty little worm handler. So we're not going to let you do that. So, and yeah, justified, right? Like he's a worm handler. He doesn't need to live. Exactly. Yeah. Their get, lives are worth nothing. We hate yeah, them. Yeah. Get eaten um, by worms on that pit. Uh, but okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Cool. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, we've covered just about everything I think I had on my docket. Uh, yeah. Likewise. Yeah. Super. I mean, yeah, like we we're saying, super strong start. I'm, I'm really excited to, to read through more of this. Um, next episode, you'll be getting, we'll be doing volume two. I think after volume two, uh, I'm going to watch the movie. We'll talk about, maybe we'll do a little movie spoiler discussion just as a comparison to the manga i might drop that in the middle there um but yeah i'm i'm actually like really excited to get to volume two now because i 
I don't know how good it's going to be after that, but considering they made the, these first two volumes into the movie, uh, and the movie is so well-respected, and this first volume was, that was really, really good, uh, I'm fully expecting the second volume to be sort of even better or just as good, so. Yeah, likewise. And uh, when can we expect uh, the next up to come out? So, in one week, whenever you're watching this, assume one week later the next episode will be coming out. Uh, I don't know exactly when we're going to put this up. Uh, we're recording this on, what, Sunday? So uh, this will go up in the middle of the week sometime, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, and then I think a week after that, you will see another episode. So yeah, keep keep an eye out. We'll, this will be uh, once a week publishing. We've got our podcast, which comes out generally Friday night, Saturday morning, and then you should see Nausicaa sometime in the middle of the week, and we'll do that for seven or eight weeks and see how it goes. Yeah, that sounds good. And uh, next episode will likely be shorter because we yeah we won't have our fun facts at the beginning. We'll get right into the recap. And just, Plus the beginning, we've already yeah. sort of characterized our main characters. I think it'll be a lot more just kind of going through, uh, right. going through what we read, how we felt, what's happening. So yeah, exactly. I this one's going to be a little bit longer for sure. So, but cool, awesome. Uh, hey everybody thank you for listening thanks for reading along with us um if you're interested if you want to get your hands on these like really really wonderful hardback editions from viz uh this is like 55 dollars on uh amazon which is like i was surprised how cheap this is this is like they're very well made by the way yeah it's super well made and i i really do think reading it um i'm a big proponent i read the majority of the manga on my cell phone and i'm totally good with it um I do not think that would have done justice if not if I did not have a big book like this. So, uh, big component of that. It comes with a free poster. So, comes with a poster. The art inside is great. I didn't I didn't get to show, but like the first couple of pages are just this like gorgeous these gorgeous like portrait arts of of Nausicaa and her gear and stuff. So yeah. Uh, All of that being said, uh, I'll throw out some who I am where you can find me again. My name is Bruce, uh, white, gray, black, white, gray, black podcast channel. I do both of those things. That's curated content and our weekly podcast about manga. Um, you can find me on Twitter at WGB manga or on Patreon. If you want to give us a little bit of money or always say yes to that, I think it's like $1 minimum a month. So, Hey, 12 bucks, buy us some manga. Uh, that's patreon.com slash WGB manga. Um, yeah. Other than that, thanks for being here. Catch you later. Have fun reading volume two and don't forget to read more manga. <laughs>